bless you guys this morning. It's good to be here. Uh, Pastor just mentioned something about he's greater than your past. It's, it's really true. Uh, I'm around so many people, and I'm involved in a lot of people's lives for a lot of years, and I notice you can tell people the truth, the, the answers through Jesus' scripture, and, 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 and people tend to say, well, yeah, I, I mean, I hear what you're saying, but you don't know what I've been through, or you don't know what it was like when I was growing up. A person could be 50 years old, and they say, you don't know what it was like when I was growing up. And it's tragic that we actually believe that should matter today now that Christ has come. Like, I asked the Lord about a year ago because I was so puzzled by it. I, I asked the Lord, I said, why? I was just in prayer, and I, I said, Lord, I, I'm so troubled. Like, why do people so cling to their past, their story? And I felt like this is what I heard in the Lord, that it's the only place people have ever found any sense of identity, whether good or bad that they've identified themselves through their story and their life. So their story has to be them and who they are, and they covet their story. They write books about my story, sometimes without a redemptive truth, just with facts. This is what I've been through. This is what I survived. This is without any redemptive truth, without any hallelujah answer. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So I'm just encouraging this morning in light of that. It grabbed my heart when Pastor said that. I mean, Paul said, we talked about the other night that, that we're all going the same way. The Lord gave me a, a specific, it's probably the only time I could have put a title on a message, but uh, it's all headed the same way, right? We're all heading the same way. And, uh, and, and I talked about Paul being so full of purpose in his Christianity that he, did, he wasn't just saved to go to heaven waiting for a bell to ring. He wasn't saved and then plugging into a good word preaching church and serving within that ministry till the day he dies. That's really the mentality we breed. <laughs> no, Christ is in you. You're called to live in the light and walk in the light and to shine and manifest him. And, and, and when you come to church like we are this morning, it's not because this is where you go. It's not because you're supposed to go to church because you're a Christian. It should be a, a training ground. It should be a place where you come to get stirred in love and good works. We, we celebrate him corporately. We worship. We keep our eyes on who he is. That's really what worship is. We're, we're honoring who he is. We're exalting who he is. So who he is stays relevant in our understanding. That's why we worship him. He's not like, I wish somebody would encourage me. I wish somebody would praise my name. He's not like hanging out saying, man, I don't hear a whole lot of good things coming my way this morning. He's not like that. It, worship's a gift for us, honestly. It's, it it's benefits us. When you fix your eyes on him, when you keep your heart on him, when, when, when you're going through things and all of a sudden you shift and go, man, God, you are just a, you're the God of my life. You're the lover of my soul. Man, you have accepted me. And, and God, I thank you. Your love and your mercy will never fail. You'll never change your mind about me. When there's places of insecurity trying to happen or things going on and you, start, and you get your eyes this way, it does something. It, it solidifies something in your life. Worship's a, worship's a really gift for us. That's, he inhabits the praises of his people. So we think we're supposed to sing loud so his presence comes on our skin. No, he, I mean, that, that'll happen in a corporate setting. But what, what he inhabits the praises of his people. When Did you ever get alone and get your eyes on the word and a scripture got big and all of a sudden your heart just went, ooh, and it was just, ooh, 
And you could just, even if you didn't know how it was going to work out, you were just okay, and you were fired up. And people might even think, well, yeah, but you got to face reality, brother. You're, you're probably just in denial. Or... <laughs> but it's because you got your eyes where they belong, and you, you saw what you couldn't see. Worship's a gift. We, this, this morning, church, what church is really about, what church is really about is coming, celebrating him corporately, looking around the room and realizing you're not alone. True connectivity, fellowship, right? Not just showing up and leaving. Hey, I did church this morning. Hey, are you a Christian? Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. I go to church. That's what we say. It's a giveaway. So we believe Christianity is church attendance. Christianity is Christ-likeness. Christianity is walking in the light as he's in the light. Christianity is letting your light so shine. Christianity is walking in truth. It's walking in mercy. It's, it's walking in love and forgiveness. It's a peacemaker, not an issue-driven person. It's not a critical spirit. It's not a tit-for-tat. He said, she said, well, I wouldn't if they didn't. Well, how come? Well, it's not a Christian. Never was, never will be. You can live there, but it's not a Christian. Christian is Christ-likeness. And we're not all quite right there, but we can grow there. We can head there. We can be sincere. So we can come to a place like this in order to stir ourselves up in what it's all about and why we are who, what we say we are. You see what we're saying this morning? I know I'm a little intense and passionate all the time, and it might be early for some folks, but I don't know. I, I honestly don't need you to shout or say amen. I really, my whole heart is that you hear what I cry out and that you apply it to your life and you become fruitful in Christ. That when you wake up tomorrow, you understand why you're alive. Not that, hey, I, I made it to church on Sunday, heard the guest speaker. Yeah, he was interesting. <laughs> so not my goal. My goal is not to impress you. My goal is not even to preach good this morning. It's to stir your heart in love and good works. To get you to actually really think about why you are what you say you are. Not to challenge if you are that. To cheer you on in that. I didn't come to spank you, correct you, or talk to a room of hypocrites. That's rarely the case. I understand there might be a hypocrite here and there in the church. But that's rarely the case. It's usually people that have a heart for God and are doing Him the best they see Him, understand Him, and know Him. That's almost always the case. I don't think we woke up this morning and said, how can I sin and get away with it? How can I use scripture to stay the same? <laughs> the Bible says, don't forsake the assembling of yourself together. Come on. Life has a voice. The life you live, your circumstances, people, your day has a voice. It tries to dictate you, identify you, write the script for you, tell you who you are and how you are. Life always is trying to speak louder than truth. And a lot of times people are only doing as good as it's going. So then they get driven into believing Christianity is believing God to make it go better. So their focus is always on getting something from Him instead of becoming something because of Him. And they're always praying for their day to change, to line up, to be smoother, for people to act different towards them. And, it's, and then it becomes a self-focus and it's always about needing something from Him instead of becoming something in Him. 
That's why there's a lot of people broken and hurt and discouraged that show up at church because life's speaking louder than truth. And they don't understand their place in the midst of adversity. They don't understand that they're actually anointed to look like Jesus in the midst of betrayal, in the midst of backbiting, in the midst of a layoff, in the midst of an unforeseen tragedy. They're actually called to stand in the shoes of Jesus, if you will, and look like Him in that moment. Not fall apart, cleave to God, say, you got to change this, what are you doing? Oh God, it's going to... Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. That's not Christian. Christian is manifesting Him in the moment. If we don't gather together and stay focused on this, we might just learn a whole lot about Him our whole lives. We might just get intrigued by the Bible and say, Pastor, can you preach on this topic? And next thing you know, we're just going through the Bible. (laughs) Without any relevance in our everyday life of manifesting what we're learning. And all of a sudden, our coworker Joe still has the ability to get under our skin because we haven't got new skin. <laughs> and all of a sudden, Sally, she just, I don't know, there's something about her. She's so overbearing. She just sometimes gets on my nerves. No, get new nerves. Stop trying to guide Sally into your preferences. Just start loving Sally. Don't make your preference, Lord. You'll find Jesus really is. (laughs) Well, I just don't like him. Well, I don't know. He just bothers me. We've lived that way our whole lives. We get tricked into thinking it's normal. We walk in a room and in a short time, we decide who we are comfortable with and who we'll avoid and who's a little strange and who I can relate to. And all of a sudden, first impressions just dictate your life and you miss the value, the purpose, and the destiny of every heart. We were taught to live that way from the time we were born, but it wasn't Jesus' teaching. It was the fall of man. It was Adam, and we got to get born. You said it, Pastor. You said we have no past. We're born again. Come on, we've been trained in a lie. We've been homeschooled in the wrong home. Our wisdom hasn't been the wisdom of the Lord. It's been very self-seeking, self-serving, offended, taken back, impatient, intolerant, Not willful, it's just we were trained that way by instinct. We didn't work on it. None of you had to work on it. You didn't have to study to be angry. I mean, nobody taught you the word discouragement, and you could have been five and felt discouraged because the little thing you were building fell down, and you're sitting there bawling, and you have no hope because your little sandcastle didn't live. You're, you're, you're two, you're barely speaking sentences, you're just about two, and the, and the two mamas are sitting, just worshiping Jesus at the table, talking, got their little Bibles open, they're crying, mascara everywhere, they just love Jesus, he's in the kitchen, and they're like, oh Jesus, did you see that? They're just having fun, and their little kids are over there playing, and these girls don't even, it's possible, they don't even raise their voice at their children, they're just loving and nurturing, and they're the best mamas, and it's just a good place to sit if you're a baby, and, and, and yet they're there on the floor, and they're playing with the little toys, and, and nobody's, nobody's messing with this thing over here, and when the one touches it, the other one goes, and now they want it. Nobody taught them that, and God didn't make them that way. And all of a sudden, one picks it up, the other one grabs it. Now, Jesus is in the kitchen, 
in their little Bible time, his presence is there, and they're praying in the spirit. And the kids are fighting over a toy, angry at each other, and the one that wins whops him on the head, and now he's crying. Nobody taught them that. That's not the parents' fault. It's not bad mothering. They're not failing as parents. Their children don't have a demon. I've had countless mothers come to me. Does my baby have a demon? I'm like, what? Well, they, I was telling them Jesus loved them, and they made a mean face at me. Nope, they're probably feeling a little moody. They're not born again. One day they're going to need him. So don't you get discouraged and get condemned and believe you're failing every time your kids don't do well. And keep modeling Jesus and shining and loving them and nurturing them. And one day when they're maybe six, seven, eight, they might say, Mommy, what is something so different about you? And you'll sit on the bed and you'll say, what do you mean, baby? Well, just the way you are and the way you seem and you don't get. And sometimes I feel and you don't. And all of a sudden, I don't understand, Mommy. You're just so different. And then all of a sudden you're explaining, well, it's the Jesus that we always talk about when we go to Sunday school, honey. And, and he lives in me here. There's a time for you, sweetheart, to get truly born again. Where My boy, when he was eight, he pulled me in the bedroom. Don't you get condemned by this and don't judge yourself by this. It's just, it's just my life. My life is fun. My life is free. I have a strong conviction to manifest Jesus to my family and not express anything else. Like you can't pull me into contention in my home. I'll die before I argue. Because I take it serious, the blood of Jesus Christ. I will not demean my wife for 25 years. I haven't spoken one negative word to my wife. And my wife lived out of identity and struggled for eight years and felt suicidal and thought she was a nutcase and told me she's out of her mind and she's loco and I'd be better off if she was dead. And I'm like, Kimmy, no, stop. That went on for eight years, not eight weeks, not eight days, not eight months, eight years. You say eight years. Truth doesn't know time. You take where your wife is personally to decide where you are. And the whole time you're doing that, Jesus is Lord. And the whole time you're doing that, you're no less, less anointed, no less called, no less Christian to him. And if you let where your wife is and decide where you are, you're way deceived and you have your eyes on the wrong things and you're still needy and you're not fulfilled in him. Oh, I'm talking real sharp and straight. Are we okay? I'm sorry. It's just the way it's in me right now. Come on, I'm talking because I'm not talking out of turn. I walk through this stuff. So my kids see what my wife's doing. My boy's only eight. He pulls me in the bedroom and he says, Daddy, why don't you ever get angry? I said, what do you mean? So, well, you just don't get angry. I heard what mommy just did and I saw what mommy just said and it wasn't even fair and it's not even true. And if that was me, I'd be so mad. And dad, I look at you and you don't get angry. That's my eight-year-old asking me a question and I got an answer. And it's not because I'm just so disciplined. It's not because I'm a good Christian. Because by the mercy and grace of God, I get it. And I surrendered myself a long time ago. And I've been on my face when you weren't looking. And I've spent countless time with the door closed. And every time I come out of that doorway, I look a little bit more like him. But I don't even realize it. I'm just being changed. I haven't bit my lip. It's not effort. I'm not trying to be okay. If you're trying to be okay, you're not okay. Well, brother, I'm trying to forgive. If you're trying to forgive, you're in unforgiveness. Well, back off. Give me a little time. It takes time. Sometimes it takes time, brother. Run that by Jesus and see if he agrees. Ask him that. Who taught you that? 
Where do we get this stuff? The fall of man, the wisdom of the world, the way that seemeth right to a man, it has never produced life, it's always produced death. Come on, this isn't too extreme. Get serious with me. We bought into a language that sells him cheap. We bought into a language that justifies our life when it's not manifesting Jesus. And we have a right to be something outside of him because you don't know what they did to me. You don't know how long this has been lasting. And when you live that way, sooner or later, that's going to ripple over on God. And now you're even mad at him and your life has to be his fault. Boy, that's a sign of delusion. Because while you were yet a sinner, he was sending his son. You say, well, God didn't. God sent his son when you were yet a sinner to restore truth and you're missing the point and you're taking your life personal instead of the gospel. And somehow you reduced him through teaching, preaching, or just mindset to a genie in a bottle, to a wish maker, meter. He is not your table waiter. He's your father. And you don't put in your order and tell him if it's the way you wanted it or not. You don't return your meal and ask him to make it right. <laughs> I've met too many Christians mad at God. It's a reality. You'd be amazed in a small room, if people were honest, that there's somebody in here, there could be two, three, there could be five people in here. That just might be a word in my heart. There could be five people in here that deep in their heart don't have a good view of God and God's image is... is is, is marred in them because of a trauma, a tragedy, a loss, an unanswered prayer, and they don't have relationship with him, but they go to church, but they haven't approached him intimately because they don't see him clear, so they, they're at odds. That's not cool. Because the whole goal is knowing him, and if you don't know him, you'll never be transformed by him. So you'll learn about him and get convicted by the word, but you won't get transformed by the relationship. Listen, it's real simple. The Bible says if you love, if you love, you know what love is? Love doesn't seek its own. Love takes no account. Man of God, love takes no account of a suffering wrong. If this sweet little girl does anything that, boom, it's like she didn't even do it because she's more than that. And your goal is to bring out the best in her, not get hurt by what she wasn't. Why? Because you laid down your life. You love not your own life unto death. You are surrendered and you are living Christ. And you're going to love her like Christ loves his church. That's just good solid marriage counseling right there. And here's the truth. The woman's called to the very same thing. To have her life fulfilled in Christ. And love her husband. Well you don't know my husband. Well wonder if God when you weren't doing well said well. You don't know her and what I got to put up with. She says she's sorry like twice a week, three times a week, and she ain't sorry because she just keeps doing it. wonder if God looked at us and said, you know, your attitude just stinks and I'm tired of it. And I've had about enough of you and I wish you'd quit praying because I'm just not going to listen. You've broken my trust a thousand times, so how am I supposed to trust you? You're just going to do it again and I'm just done hurting over you. It's good I don't slumber or I wouldn't sleep because of you. Wonder if God addresses. See, here's what we do. We just don't expect that of God because we know who God is because he's painted all through his words. So we just know the person of God. So we just take for granted that's what's coming from him. Goodness, love, mercy, forgiveness. So we, don't ex we expect God to be a certain way, but he made us for his image. He said, as he is, so are we in this world. The things I do, you'll do if you believe. He's the firstborn among many brethren. 
Need any more scripture? I have a few more that ties us together. He says, do all things, all things, all things. How many things? All things without grumbling, without complaining. Why? So you can be seen as innocent children. That means harmless, innocent, in the midst of a twisted world that's living for itself and going for its own gain. That you could be seen as innocent children in the midst of a perverse generation. Whom you, shining forth as a light, hold forth the word of life meaning through your life lived. That's on your job. That's in your home. That's not coming to church and singing holy is the lamb and getting excited because God is amazing and we understand the person of God and then leaving and literally having tension, arguments, and fighting over where we're going to eat lunch. And you always get to pick. And when do I ever get to decide? And I don't want to eat there again. I'm tired of eating there. How come we can't go over there? Well, I yield to you all the time. When are you going to yield to me? Those conversations are normal. In Christian homes. And we say, oh, brother, we all have that. We just got to learn. We, it's, it's, we don't mean no harm. Well, I don't know. When you look at statistics and relational stuff, and I think there is harm. I think there's a lot of unresolved conflicts. I think there's a lot of things that haven't been closed. I think in time it takes a toll. And then people get in delusion and say, I don't think I love you anymore. When love never fails because it doesn't seek its own and it takes how much account? Okay, if love takes no account of a suffer wrong, why are we busted up by each other? Because we haven't been perfecting the love. We might not even be pursuing that. We might be pursuing well-being instead of becoming love. Love takes how much account? You see how eight years was easy? You see how eight years was easy in my marriage? Because I didn't wake up for her to owe me anything. To me, marriage isn't 50-50. Marriage is I love you. I've laid down my life. You've got my life. I'm going to lay down my life and bring out the best in you. And on your darkest day, I'm not going to lose sight of who you're called to be. Because that's how God loved me. On my darkest day, he did not lose sight of who I'm created to be. And when I came to him and repented, he didn't tell me it was too late. And he didn't say, you've run me around enough. And he didn't say, you should have repented six months ago, you know. You were pretty convicted then. You caused a lot of hell in the last six months that was unnecessary and you hurt a lot of other hearts. He just said, welcome home. And he embraced me as if I'd never sinned. And he held me as if I'd never sinned. And he breathed his life inside of me. And then he told me to live the same. <laughs> you feel that? Isn't that awesome? That's the love of God. And you think, I believe this. And I'm going to be like, well, he said, well, that hurt. Well, they shouldn't have. Well, how come? Well, I don't understand. Well, well, they're a leader. Well, they're supposed to go. I'm just not going. Oh, I am not selling cheap anymore. Because I learned I'm not for sale. I've already been purchased with a price. And my life is not my own. But I promise you, if you're a Christian for you, if you're a Christian for your sake, if all you do is pray for your sake, you're really not praying at all. The reason men don't receive in their prayers scripturally is either a lack of faith or they ask amiss their own lust and desire. A lot of the things we think we need are actually wants and they shift into idolatries and we're driven by the things that aren't in place and they become our focus and they become our expression 
and our disposition. And all of a sudden, who we are and how we are is being decided by things, not him. Are you all with me? Come on, I can feel conviction in this. Don't get, don't, don't shut me down. I'm, I'm talking to a couple people. Please don't shut me down this morning. Because I can, I can feel that. I can feel this is like, well, this is too much for me. No, that means it's speaking loud in your life. And it's really important to hear. Please don't soft pedal this. This is serious. This is serious because you run a risk when you do that of just becoming religious. And paying homage to God and talking about God and not manifesting God or even pursuing to manifest God. It's one thing if we're not there yet. It's another thing if we're not even heading there. Are you with me? Come on, that's fair. That's just fair. This isn't harsh. This isn't overbearing. You know, if Jesus came and just stood in the person and talked, it would feel a lot more intense than this. <laughs> if, if one of your loved ones that passed, that you're still grieving over, mourning over, and missing, and can hardly live without, would be granted to stand here and just have one Sunday session with you, you would stop that unnecessary grieving and you would go after Jesus like never before. The passion in their eyes and the fire after knowing the truth and having some different kind of regrets roll through them when they stood before the Lord of how they could have lived and that they had this one shot to write a legacy. They had this one little window called life. Just this one little window you got called life. It's coming, man, and it's going. I'm 58. I don't even know where time went. I've been saved 25 years. It feels like yesterday, but there's 25 years in my Christian history. It's mind-boggling. Time's rolling, baby. I started preaching a while ago, and that clock has not stopped. Time. Come on. It's rolling on everybody. You're nine, and you can't even believe you'll ever be 13. You're 13, and you're thinking 16 will never come. You're 16, and you're like, I'll never be 21. You're 21, and you're like, what? Now you're 25, and you're going, ah! Because there's no more date. There's no more markers. There's nothing to pursue. It's like, back up. Whoa, stop the train. But whose train ever stopped? It just keeps rolling. Now you're 30. Now you're 35. You're looking in the mirror sideways a lot. You're you're checking yourself all the time. You're just like, ah, where am I going? You're running your course. You got one little shot. You got one little window. Don't spend it on survival and making it in your own way. You're here for a reason. If you don't pursue that reason, you won't find grace on your life, and life will feel like a grind because you're living it outside of empowerment. You're on a road. You're not created to travel. That's why Christians are struggling so much in their everyday life because they're not understanding their trials and circumstances. They're not pursuing to shine in the midst of them. They're just wondering when their life's going to change. So it's hard to get up in the morning and face what you couldn't get through yesterday. We call it depression. I call it a wrong perspective. Your life is a gift, not a challenge. It's a gift. And it was given by God from the beginning. Let us make man for his image. If we're not pursuing his image, then we're not pursuing why we're here. If we're a Christian for any other reason than transformation, then we're not even a Christian for scripture. If you're just a Christian to go to heaven, you're way off. If you're just a Christian for blessings, read your Bible. If you just use prayer to get things to go your way, come on, realign. 
just crying out. The whole reason we gather is to stir in love and good works. So that we come and we see him in the light of who he is. We see ourselves in the light of who we are. We look around and realize this is an army. Hey, and I'm sure we get an attitude here, an attitude there that says, whatever, yeah, calm down. Are you done yet? Chill, whatever, pastor. You always got that. You're not moved by that. You're moved by truth. You still have to preach truth whether people want it, hear it, or not. Didn't Jesus just keep preaching? And his words on the earth today. wonder if he'd have shut down because people didn't want to hear it. Isn't it amazing? This is sobering to me. Isn't it amazing that truth itself took the form of a body? Truth itself took the form of a man, stood for three years, talked to the people, and they couldn't hear what he said, and they killed him for the way he talked. That's pretty deceived. Truth himself doesn't get any clear. Why? Because all they did was listen for what they didn't agree with and listen for what they didn't want. They never could hear what he said because they didn't listen for that. So they had the ability and delusion to kill the truth as if he was the most biggest blasphemer. It was that 180 perverted. They couldn't hear what he said because of how they heard him, the motive they heard him in. So they just listened for what they didn't agree with. You could sit here this morning and say, well, you know, that's just a little extreme. Well, I don't think it's that all that. Well, you're taking this a little too far. And all you're doing is buying time you don't have. And you're assuring that tomorrow is yesterday. That's what you're doing. And you're justifying. So no repentance will be found in your heart. So there's no place for change. You be careful you don't do that today. Because that's the stuff people stand before the Lord and answer for. And you'll never be able to say, well, I didn't know that. Well, I never heard that. No, you'll realize in that season, you didn't want that. You know men by their fruits. And in this, the Father's well pleased that you bear much fruit and that your fruit remains. And if you're bearing fruit, he's going to prune you and clean you up and trim you even a little more so that, Joe, you bear even more fruit. <gasps> you get it? Yeah. It just makes me happy. <laughs> Can you tell my wife lived like that for eight years? Can you tell that my kids kind of took a little siesta from the gospel and ran wild for a while? Only in rebellion because they were... They were pressured by my life. They, they believed a lie. They said, we have to be this because he's this. We have to do Jesus because we're in this family. My daughter told me there was a time she resented being my daughter so bad because of the lie she was believing. She believed my life controlled hers and everybody was expecting her and my son to be something because of whatever I was. And they carried that pressure and I talked to them all the time about it. So it's not that they didn't know. I talk to them all the time about it. I'm a communicator. A lot of people in families, the biggest problem is the lack of communication. So there's a lot of presumption. and We come up with our own answers without knowing. Marriages, you start believing something about your spouse without even talking about it. And then for six months, you have that screen on your eye and everything looks like that. And after six months, you're convinced you're right. And your husband or wife doesn't even know what you're talking about. Because it wasn't never that way from the beginning. It was all presumption because there's no communication. 
I've pastored a while. I've been in this stuff. I've watched it happen too many times. But it tells me that we don't spend enough time intimately with him. We're not pursuing to become something. We're just trying to get by. And we've just got our fingers crossed and we're knocking on not plastic wood, hoping that everything goes okay. And that is not the goal of your life. The goal of your life is let your light so shine before men that they see your life lived and they glorify the Father. If you have a bad attitude, you're not shining in the light. If you're discouraged, there's nothing shining in the light. If you're hurt by what somebody said, you're insecure, your identity's wrapped around men and you'll only be as strong as their weakness and you're not shining. And all of a sudden, your whole purpose is getting subverted and it's why you're not experiencing blessing. And when you meet somebody that's alive and vibrant and full of joy, the best you can do is say it's plastic, fake, or whatever. Because you can't relate to it. Because you've got to get real, brother. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> My little buddy in the sound booth, Corey. I said, I said, I told you if you ever see me again, I'll be this way or worse. He said, you're worse. <laughs> Actually, he... He, he was saying it's clear. He said it's even clearer. It was more. We were just talking about. I have other people tell me. They say, man, I remember you being fired up and intense last year when you came. But you're just like that again. It, I'm like this every day. And I don't try to be. It's my perspective that keeps me there. I've prayed it into my life. I've been alone with Jesus seeking him when you weren't looking and told him my life is not my own. I don't need a thing from no one. You fulfill me, but yet people are so important and valuable and you gave your life to them. So I want to give my life to them. And I thank you, God. Nobody owes me a thing today. My spouse can't even make my day. My day is made. She can bless my heart. She can cheer me on. She can encourage me. She can love me all she wants, but she doesn't decide how I'm doing and who I am. You have settled that one well. I thank you for the freedom in my life. And all of a sudden, I'll never go to church to find myself through the congregation. I'll never serve in a ministry to get appreciated. I'll never run the risk of getting let down, hurt, or disappointed because my motive is always his great name and others. And all of a sudden, love is dominating my life. People say, oh, come on, brother. You got to get real, though. I mean, everybody has their moments. Stop. That's why you have yours. Because you believe that. Because you believe that and you're justified in it. So you'll never challenge it. You'll never repent. You'll never even be convicted because you've talked yourself out. You tell Jesus he has his moments. Try to run that by Jesus. Everybody has their moments. You find Jesus having his moment. You find Jesus in the Bible just with his 12 alone and say, you know, I guys just gather around me. You just got to pray for me. I can't take much more. See, you don't know what I'm talking about, but I perceive thoughts, and God lets me. And I don't know why, Father, sometimes you let me perceive their thoughts, because their thoughts are very challenging. Like, did you guys just see me heal everybody in Capernaum? They're sitting there trying to debate what demons in me. I'm ticked off. I don't even know if I want to pray for the sick anymore. People just make me so mad, man. You try your best. You live hard. You do right, and they call it wrong. I've just had enough. Man, if they didn't change by now, they're not even going to change. We're not even coming back to this town. Isn't it amazing that language is so normal to all of us, so understood and so accepted and so celebrated? Full of rights and get an attorney and stand for yourself and do all this stuff. That's what we're, we live that way. 
When you become a Christian, you get born again. You deny yourself. You put off the old. You're not conformed to the world. You're transformed by the renewing of your mind. You live from a different place. New wine has to come into a new wine skin. You never saw Jesus have a fallout like that. You try to run your fallout by Jesus and see how that flies. So you're not supposed to follow each other. You're supposed to follow him. As he is, so are we in this world. Firstborn among many brethren. Predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son. Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord and being transformed into that same image from glory to glory. If he loved us this way, ought we not love one another? Scripture after Scripture after Scripture teaches us what it's all about. So I just came here this morning to just... In a very short time, I got a lot out. I did good. I just, so, so here's the key. So here's the key. Is it about me doing good? And thank you for your little clap. Or is it about you becoming something? That's why I'm here. I promise you that's why I fly here. I didn't fly here to preach. I didn't fly here to be clap. I didn't fly here for an honorarium. If I, if I came for an honorarium, I'd, I'd go to a big church. I could. I got a lot of invites. I could go to a big church. I came here. I asked to come this time. I felt like I wanted to come. Couldn't get it out of my heart when I was doing my schedule. So I, t- I tracked him down and he said, yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> Sorry, probably not. That probably won't happen. But, but I was here last year and I'm here. I rarely do that. 90% of my calendars, first time visits because this message is foundational. Here's what I say when I preach this and hear this and see this. Man, nobody told me this till I was 33 and Holy Spirit revealed it. Not one preacher. I went to four different churches and nobody told me what I'm preaching. And I watched countless people in the church live up and down and let circumstances drive them. And how you doing, brother? Well, I'm going through this right now and this, but just keep me in prayer. And it was always using the gospel to get by. And most Christians weren't doing well. And there was nothing in their life that people would really want except heaven versus hell. I got to close. I'm, I'm going to be late. I got 10.08 and I'm going to be done on time, Pastor. I do good on Sunday mornings. I do. There's people waiting to come in. Don't discourage them and say, you don't want to go in there. Don't run them out. When you leave, don't you run them out. <laughs> Don't you push that? <laughs> Who was thinking that? <laughs> Can we do something? Could you, could you just respond with me just in a sign of yielding and responding? And I usually say if you're serious, it is that, but no matter what, would you just do this? Can we all stand together in the presence of the Lord? And when, can we just honor him by standing before him in a posture of receiving? If you're saying yes to this word in your heart, then God already knows that, doesn't he? But the best thing is you know that. See, you know you. Nobody knows you better than you. And what's amazing is your conscience is attached to your heart. You know you. There's a lot of people that don't value their life. They don't love themselves that well, but they want people to love them. But when they look in a mirror, they don't like who they are. I understand there's vanity But most people don't have a real good view of themselves. And a lot of that is because their heart's attached to their conscience. So the pure in heart shall see God. So if there's anything in this message that you went, wow, it would be good for me to apply this, to go in this direction. Wow, 
yeah, oh man, I get a little touchy here. Wow, I, wow, I talk like that. See, it's not about where you're not, it's about where you're heading. So right now you just go, oh my goodness, Lord, I'm taking this to heart. I'm on this journey. Yeah, I'm in. I want you to fashion me and mold me and shape me and make me look more like you. I don't want people to owe me. I'm done being discouraged, disheartened and frustrated. I don't want to be that toddler fighting over the toy, but I'm 55. So, Father, I just thank you right now for grace. And I just thank you that there's a grace in this room for us to let go and to hold on. Let go of the things that need to go and hold on to the things that bring life. I pray for a wisdom in our conscience and conviction to be imparted just through everything we've ever heard in this light. And a conviction, Lord, I'm asking for a conviction to come to every individual that you would begin to walk them through their life in this truth and bring it to their remembrance all the time. And I pray that you yourself by your own hand would begin to fashion your people into the very image of Christ. And I thank you for it. Teach us not to complain. Teach us not to be self-centered. Expose that thing so clear to us. And I believe a majority of people in this room would say amen and want that, God. And I'm asking you to meet us there and take us to where you paid for. In Jesus' name, I bless this house and I thank you for Christ's likeness. Amen.